This episode of the Fabulous Learning Nerds is sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, win time, activity periods, RTIs, counselor, and teacher appointments, and much more. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash B to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash B-E. They are the fabulous learning nerds. Because if you're tired of the old ways of getting it done, you've got the fabulous learning nerds. Scott, Dan, and Abby are making it fun. The best ideas that you've ever heard. So everybody spread the word. They're gonna keep you with turning the fabulous learning nerds. Fabulous learning nerds. Oh yeah! Hey everybody, welcome to another fantastic episode of your fabulous learning nerds. I'm Scott Shooter, your host, and with us, my bestest buddy. You love him, Dan Coonrod. Dan the man. Oh yeah. Dan. Aww. Bestest buddy? Heck yeah. I love that. That's right, little buddy. Old chum. Oh, no, no, no. We're back to the little buddy thing. That's a Batman. You snuck it back. I thought we were past that. Little buddy is not Batman. Little buddy is Gilligan's Island. Oh, it is. Yep. So so Gilligan's Island may be a little bit before my time. <gasps> are you kidding me? Like you've never yeah. watched Gilligan's Island, like for real? I mean, I'm aware of it. I've definitely seen some episodes. I know the the shtick behind it, but uh, yeah, no, it was like um. So obviously, being a kid growing up, uh, Gilligan's Island was part of the daytime fair, and so I would catch some episodes. But I think the Andy Griffith Show came on on another channel at the same time, and. I, I was for the Andy Griffith show over at Gilligan's Island. Uh, you know, I'm a simple guy with simple tastes. Oh, my gosh. Wow. 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 I've actually never heard genuine disappointment. <laughs> I just heard that from you, Scott. I heard genuine disappointment. I'm so sorry. I've let you down. Mm. Yeah. We can't talk about the realism of a big, giant spider being scared by a bird, which is another no, story. No, we can't. No, we, we can't. can't. I'm so can't sorry. We can I could muddle my way through. No, that that uh, traumatized me, that episode. But how are you doing, Dan? <laughs> oh, you know, I tell you what, I think you know how I'm doing, uh, per the usual. That's fantastic. Precisely. That's great. Precisely. Yeah. What about you? How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing better. Um, I was telling our special <laughs> guest today that I've got a new employee who's a rock star. Um, oh, she's awesome. doing great freaking things, which is cool. And also, most importantly, taking a little bit of workload off myself a bit, uh, sipping from the fire hose, if you know what that's about. So have you been been delegating authority? We have been um, partnering to deliver great stuff. How's that? Ooh, ooh, I like that. I like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, I like that. For sure. And learning from each other. So that's been an amazing thing. So that's great. And uh Awesome. So, hey, everybody, we uh, we certainly um, don't want to waste too much more time um, reminiscing about Gilligan's Islands and, um, you know, 
celebrating do rock star employees. We actually have a special guest with us tonight, and we're going to learn all about her in our segment that we call What's Your Deal? Hey, man. What's your deal? Beth. Yes. Hello, Scott. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. So, hey, what's your deal, my friend? Well, my deal is I am, first of all, very thankful to be here on the show with you and Dan. This is just a great opportunity. I, uh, as you know, even showed up early just to be ready for you, too. I, my deal is I am a lifetime learner. I have, you know, a background in uh, education. I got my master's in education stemming from the field of uh, behavior and special education. I, uh, instructional design and learning and development is my gig. That is my deal, Scott. Uh, I thoroughly enjoy watching that aha moment happen. It's that aha moment mm -hmm. when something comes across and that person is like, ah, yes, I've got it. And I can go from here. Uh, you know, what's interesting too, is I grew up in a family business, so my family's business was structured around teaching people how to do their next best thing to be able to be an, an equestrian. So I know all of those little pieces and parts of business take a lot of time and to develop people as they are becoming part of your organization is really important. So I have a dad who's an engineer and a mom who's mm -hmm. a teacher. So both sides of the brain are working there. So thankfully, they gave me a bit of each. So it kind of makes sense that I am have that entrepreneurial spirit, like to put processes together. And teaching is one of the one of my favorites. I tell you what, it really is. Well, that's fantastic. I'm super excited to uh, <clears throat> hear what you're going to bring, bringing the knowledge uh, to the Fabulous Learning Nerds tonight. That's fantastic. So folks, without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into our topic of the week. Okay, Beth, so we're talking about what does L&D mean for me and why do I need it? So help our audience understand where you're coming from with that. You know, what does what L&D, well, first of all, what does it mean to you and, and why do we need it? Uh, well, what it means to me, Scott, is the, the part of the puzzle that organizations uh, look to to grow their, their business from within, right? So we have our teams, we have our skill sets, we have people within our organizations and learning and development. It's pretty, pretty much what it is. We help people learn within the structure of what they have in their skill sets and develop them further. So all across the board, really, uh, especially in the market right now, uh, we're finding that L&D is really getting a, a specialist in L&D, is getting a seat at the table as far as the discussions on how to help alongside of HR and upper management. So L&D is... The buzzword right now, learning development specialist, help us out. So um, that's what it means to me, really. What's the change? Like That sounds great, right? So that's what we all want. We all want that seat at the table. Um, my experience has been many times we didn't get the seat at the table or we were at the children's table, if you get <laughs> that reference, right? Yeah. You, guys, you guys go sit over there at the children's table. So what changed? What 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 
changed in the marketplace to really put L and D at the forefront of of some business decisions and some planning and, and some KPIs as businesses look to grow. Well, yes, to, you know, going from the children's table up to the to the the big kids table now, and hopefully up to the adult table, we are moving that way because of the market right now. We have really, if you look at the em- employee market, things have changed up just a bit, right? So organizations are seeing that that interview table is a two-way conversation. What do you have for me, right? Hey, Scott, I'm you know glad to be here at the interview. Tell me more about um, how you're going to help me move down the road with you and how, how are we going to develop together? So the answer comes from looking to the children's table and pulling that L&D expert over and saying, hey, help me out here to be able to have some yes am- answers and some plans for these, these people who are um, not only external candidates, but internal uh, people that we have already on our teams are saying, "Hey, what's what's going on? How can I how can I grow here? Because if I'm not going to be growing here, maybe I need to look elsewhere." And so that's where businesses really are saying, "Okay, come on over, come on over. We have extras over here at this table. Let's just let's let's talk and build together." That's what I'm seeing. I I lucked out uh, at a role where I was previously. I, I felt that headwind change, and I got to be like part of it where. You know, for so long, we struggled to like get a voice more than just like just build the content and give it to us. And then like to be able to come in and be a consultant first and be able to look at like a VP or a director and say, hey, you know, if you have us the earlier and you have us, the more effective and shorter and better the training is going to be. And to have them go, oh. Well, you should be here pretty early on. Like, yes, yes, we should. Thank you, thank you so much. I mean, yeah, I, I 100% agree. Like, uh, more and more, I hear people like asking earlier and earlier, like, what, what, what should my training plan be? What does that mean, and how does that feel? Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. And, and one of the things I think is important is we've all gone through a couple years of change, right, through the pandemic, and we've seen a lot of ups and downs um, as we try to get back to this thing called work. Um, and, I, and I really feel like that has changed how people um, look at their lives, right? So, you know, this work-life balance thing is important. How do I learn and grow is important. And so um, things like onboarding and upskilling are not just nice-to-haves. Um, they're pretty necessary, in my humble opinion. And I feel like a lot of employers are playing the catch-up game like oh okay great you know um we had a guest on not too long ago we were talking about like what's what a lot of organizations are starting to do just from a baseline level is like hey let's make sure they have a great first day right so if i make sure they're gonna have a great first day and i'm like make sure they have a great first 30 days first 60 days or 90 days right so i think that today's candidates are looking for that kind of experience we've got to kind of start somewhere um what are some of the other trends as you look from, um, you know, talent, and that's really important too from a talent perspective as it comes into L and D that that learning leaders or leaders need to be thinking about when they're when they're uh, consulting with their learning and development specialists. Wow, that's good. You know, uh, if we think about how we're built as people, right, and we come to the table 
here we go with the table, but here we come into a group <laughs> with each other with skill sets. So in the market now, looking more toward the skill set hiring structure is just a tremendous opportunity to have that overlapping ability within your organization. And then the learning and development is cohesive, right? So Daniel and you, Scott, and I might be on the same team. We have different skill sets on that team. So we're building teams of skill sets and filling it with the people with those skill sets. And then maybe um, I could be a, a pinch hitter over on the other team because I have some skill sets that they need as well. So it's, it's putting those skill sets in place and then watching it from that development side to say, hey, you know what, Daniel? You really have these skills too. Let's help you move forward with those. And you can go help this other team with this great project or also, right? It's a yes and. Uh, you know, we're, we always hear people talking about, I mean, right now we're in a place where people are saying do more with less. And so to talk, to think about this as like as skills and then being able to get people set up to like help them grow those skills and help them be able to like, you said pitch hitter, which I think is great, but to be able to like help the organization out as a whole beyond just a team. Now I love that. I love that thought process. You know, one of the things that I, I find new today is this whole idea of learning journeys, right? So I'm going to go ahead and bring in an accountant, right? What does that learning journey need to look like? Right. Where level one, level two, mastery, all that other good stuff. Um, what's your experience been with that? Are you seeing a similar trend, or what are the things that, as learning and development specialists, we need to be thinking about? Add more value now that we have the seat at the table. I like the learning journey. You know, it's kind of, it's it's a roadmap, really. So that's that's our role, I think, uh, as our expertise is putting together the roadmap and we're helping be the compass as well. So we bring in that accountant that you're talking about, level one, level two, level three. And where do we need that person within our organization, if we're just talking from the organization side, to grow and develop? What, what, if we look at the business perspective of growth for the business as a whole, and then speak to our learning and development people to be able to say, here's our accountant and we have one at this level, we can bring in maybe two and then grow both of them, right? So that learning journey from my experience is we're starting someone else. You always start in human-centered design, right? If we can start there, then the road opens up for sure because we're going to where they are. We've brought someone on with their skill sets and then we can look at each part of it and say, wow, you know, this accountant also has some really great leadership skills. Look at that. So it's not just about the base skill. It's about those other skill sets that come along with it, because we're all built with all these parts that come in. Uh, you said human-centered design, and I, I absolutely love, love that. I know that, like, really, in, like, I feel like the last 10 years, you know, ID and our, our industry has really put a lot of movement towards stepping away from like just raw rote knowledge transfer into into building human experiences. Like, is that something that that 
you're seeing as well, you're seeing more and more people like focus in on that. I am. I am. Usually when I get to have conversations with people who are saying, please develop this for me, right? Please help me develop this training program or help develop this. There are humans involved, right? So we're going to be talking more about processes as well, not just here you go, here's the boilerplate, right? So how do we move people through the processes that will bring them out the other side? So stepping in there, yes, there we come to the um, midpoint of a conversation and it turns. It's just wonderful to say it's not, it's not a piece of paper that we show with the three steps and the facilitator stands there with it. It's more about how do we process through all of that, as you said, Scott, learning journey from that person-centric approach. That's what, I, that's what I'm seeing, Daniel. Are you seeing the same things, you two? I remember, this is probably maybe a little less than 10 years ago, I remember being uh, not a great instructional designer, um, just just checking the box and like <sighs> building e-learnings and building like ILTs, like just as needed, just because like that was what was requested. That's what was needed. And I still remember sitting down with a group of like facilitators who were teaching the courses I was writing. And uh, again, just fully expecting them to say how awesome and wonderful my training content was. And for them to say uh, just how awful it was. <laughs> uh, God bless all of those facilitators and trainers who were so open and honest, because it was a major turning point in my life and my career. But I didn't know what to do with that feedback at first. Like I had no idea what to do with it. And that really sent me like on this road to like figure out like, well, like I'm, I'm checking all the boxes I'm supposed to check. So why does everybody hate it? And then like really start like looking at like, Oh, well, like I like, what if I built this with the knowledge that these were the facilitators who were going to be using it. And these, this was the audience that they had to work with. And how would I build it differently? Like, oh, and that answer was I'd have to rebuild everything, you know, four different lines of business, hundreds of hours of training, but it was worth it and it was awesome. So, yeah, definitely. And I, I've, I've seen it just grow more and more since then. Yeah, really interesting thing. Like, I had some conversations a week ago about this whole thing. Like, Scott, I have a problem. What would you recommend in solving it? And I have to go back to Lisa Wallace, a dear friend of the show, and I'm just going to say, hey, well, what's, what's going to, what do you want to get out of it, right? What's going to be new, better, or different when I'm done? And I got to tell you, the people that were coming to me, they were like, well, I want you to solve my problem. And I'm like, I need to understand what your problem is. I need to understand where your people are. I need to understand the gaps and all this good stuff before we can even begin to recommend the solution. You know, Covey talks about beginning with the end in mind, and that's exactly what you're talking about, Dan. I mean, it's one thing to go ahead and say, I have this really great idea to help people learn X. But really, um, if they needed to learn Y to begin with, and they aren't really people, but they're other things, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, so that whole, what's going to be new, better, and different when we're done? Let's get our SMEs together in a room, and let's go ahead and, and identify what the problem is um, so we can deliver better solutions. So. Yeah, that's that. I mean, really, really solid advice for learning specialists. And I need, the more that we ask questions, I think, in the big room, when we're asking questions um, to begin with, um, you can definitely create a better product 
And when you do that, you'll, you'll earn a cloud as well. Does bring me to an interesting question. Changing subjects, science, sort of kind of, but not, right? So if I think it'll take a look at um, this idea of learning and development, right? You got L&D, you've got you know, leadership development, big, big thing. Love to talk about leadership, but you know, there hasn't been a conversation they had in learning and development in the last two years. Right? We're really talking about change in the marketplace. It hasn't talked about diversity and inclusion. So, Beth, if you could talk a little bit about DEI and how important that is when we're thinking about and what we're doing and why it's so important in organizational growth and for people growth as well. It is important. It, um, without sounding like you know, jumping in alongside of a lot of the conversations that are going on right now, but partnering up along with the HR departments and this thought of, just like we said, people, right? We, we all process differently. We can all be sitting at the same table. Great example. I was sitting at the, a table with two people working on something looking and sounding like they were working on at it at the same time and the same space for what they wanted to have come out of it. And one person was saying, whoa, whoa, slow down a bit here. And the other person did what we do and said, no, no, you've got it. And thankfully, I got to be at the table and listen to it say again, and was given permission to say, okay, let's hear what that person is saying. So some of us need to maybe pump the brakes a little bit. And so as learning uh, specialists and consultants, we can come in and do the observation in the room and be able to help people understand that Daniel and Scott and Beth process differently. And sometimes there's a large gap, right? So providing that inclusion part of the DEI in saying, okay, we're going to have a big meeting and a big presentation. Let's go to the processing modality for most people. So right out of the bat, you have somebody who can develop that, like us, that says, okay, I can develop something that someone can have in their hand. Somebody could have for auditory later because they're going to be seeing me visually and listening to me speak at that time. But then they can take it away if they need more time to process later. So those are the things that we think about as we're making something to speak to the larger um, population in a room or on a podcast, it's more auditory. But if you think about it, if we can do this sort of thing for the people in our organization from the, again, from the perspective of where they are and how they process and also opening the conversation through really good partnering with HR for people to be able to say, hey, you know what? Sometimes I might look like I'm not paying attention, but I'm thinking. I usually think and I look up to the left. I'm not really disengaging. I'm processing what you said and I'm honoring what you said. I'm not disengaging because it could look, look like that if someone looks away or pulls back a little bit. So someone with an observational uh, integrity background, like we would have as learning and development specialists, can come forward and say, here I am, I can help you be able to do those noticing moments and then empower everyone who's going to be communicating within your organization to be able to open that door. 
you know, I, it makes me think, um, <clears throat> you talk about those observational moments and just differences in, in people. Uh, it, it can be just even just how people think and how they look when they think is, is a prime example. I cannot tell you my thinking face is a sourpuss face. Uh, I'll squint my eyes. I'll clench my jaw. And like, I'm really thinking on something. I'm really just like running it through my brain. And I've had multiple team members, multiple peers, multiple leaders look at me and just be like, are you okay? That is everything fine? And be like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, everything's fine. And like literally it took me forever, literally forever. It took me a long time before I caught on that like the face I'm making when I'm thinking is incredibly off-putting. Uh, just again, just because I'm squinting my eyes, clenching my jaw. Like the gears in the brain are really burning through the oil, and I have I've gotten to the point now where like I- I'll catch myself doing it and be like, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm not upset. I was thinking, and that has been one of those things that just for me has helped trigger me. Like I- I'm trying to be as careful as I can whenever I'm talking with somebody, working with somebody, and be like, everything good? We okay? Oh yeah, I'm fine. Okay, I'm just thinking about it. like, okay, cool. Like totally get it. Because I'm I'm looking for those cues because I know those same cues in me tend to make people be like, ooh, did I say something wrong? So no, I love that. I think that's that's a good example. Especially with um especially with neurodiversity being brought forward and people using that word in a positive sense, um, we can really step forward and say, Yes, yes, please, let's let us help you in your your processes at work, um, in your organization, and put things in front of uh, the people on your teams to be able to help them in that space, right? So it's okay, let's include them in the conversation easily for them, right? And so then, in like you said, Daniel, when you say, hey, you know, is everything okay? You can do that back and forth a little bit better with guidance from somebody who can put something together like we can to say, oh, you know, this is this is really okay. This is really great stuff because we're working together as humans, but side by side. When I feel like I belong, I participate and contribute. And that's so important, I think. When I think about DEI, I'm always thinking about <clears throat> my audience and can they see themselves in what I'm doing? Can they, um, do they feel a part of the message? Um, how do I ensure that that welcomeness is there? Because if it's not, right, and people will shut down and then we're done, right? So then, you know, you've, you've been there like, yeah, not for me, done, right? And then um, they're going to sit there and check Facebook all day. So really ensuring that we've got um, the right imagery, the right kind of language, the right kind of examples, super, super important. Even in retention questions, like one of the things that I'm responsible for is our retention questions in my organization. It's like, huh, Sally, Joe, and Bob, those are all fantastic names. But not everybody has those names anymore. So maybe we should think about Miguel, right? or um, Zipporah, right? Those kinds of things, great examples, right? And for the most part, helps our audience see themselves. So I, I, I love this idea of observational, uh, uh, but I wanted to make sure that we don't forget as L and D people the 
the very important part of making sure that people feel welcome in what we're doing and a part of what we're doing. Um, and the longer that they don't feel welcome, you know, I've, I've, I've got a, I've got a brick in a chair doing what? I don't know. Collecting money and some 401k. <laughs> and so that's always fun. So listen, thanks. As we begin to kind of wrap things up, Beth, thank you so much for your time. Love your energy. Love where you're coming from. This whole cent- human-centered approach to L&D design and why it's so important. And I just want to give you an opportunity. Is there something that you really wanted to talk about today and share with our audience if you haven't? I want to give you that moment to go ahead and kind of put a stamp, put the Beth Bat stamp on, on the good conversation you've had today. Well, thank you for that. I, um, when I was talking to you about being here today, I thought of this as well, because from my passion for helping others, empowering other people truly comes from that space of it's everybody in the room, right? So we can help not only the learning, the learning participants, but the facilitators as well. If we stop just at who's learning in this process, let's really delve into how can we empower and use the word train the facilitators to be able to help the learners even more. So I think sometimes that gets missed. And that's, that's what I've found too, is those processes and empowering the, the facilitators, give them the tools to be able to do what they are doing for those learners and having the outcomes. So that's great. And I'd love to be able to spread that word more often, you know? Well, I just want to thank you. Thank you so much, Beth. Thanks for coming out, sharing all your knowledge, all the good stuff. Um, It's been great. I really, really appreciate it. Could you do our audience a favor? Could you let them know how they can get in touch with you? Absolutely. You can visit BB Consulting. It's uh, bbconsulting.com online, on Facebook as well, and Instagram. You can reach out to me or Beth at bb consultingllc.com. Send me an email. We're sending out newsletters coming out soon. They're just starting this week. So if you want to sign up, zap an email over to me or just fill out that form right there on my website. Come visit. I'd love to hear from you. Awesome. Thanks so much, everybody. Um, if you want to catch up with Beth, just go to the show notes and, and hit her up. I'm sure she'd love to talk. Danielson. Yes, Scott. Could you do me a solid and let our audience know how they could connect with us, sir? Absolutely. All right, party people. If you haven't already, email us at nerds at thelearningnerds.com. Email us any questions you may have. Join in on the conversation. Tell us how you're starting to look at maybe human-focused design or just how you're feeling the L&D industry changing and getting a seat at the grown-up table. We'd love to hear that story. Uh, if you're on Facebook, you can find us at Learning Nerds. For all of our Instagram peeps, Fab Learning Nerds. And lastly, for more information about us, what we do, and any updates, www.thelearningnerds.com. Scott? Thanks, Dan. Hey, everybody. Could you do me a favor? Could you go ahead and hit that subscribe button? I mean it. Like, hit it really hard if you want to subscribe to this show if you and, and share it with your friends. Let them know we had a great discussion on human-centered design with Beth today. And, and you got to listen to it. It's going to be great. If you like what we said, 
And, and even if you kind of do like what we had to say, look, do me a favor. Like, go ahead and leave us a review on Stitcher or iTunes. Just let us know how we're doing. It really helps us get the word out and improve the show. So that's fantastic. And with that, I'm Scott. I'm Dan. And I'm Beth. And we're your fabulous learning nerds, and we are Thanks for listening to the Fabulous Learning Nerds. You know, there are a lot of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention. Meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment of offerings. If you're, if you're thinking of giving it a try, if you think it would give it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit MyFlexLearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's MyFlexLearning.com BE.